podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. <laughs> Hello, my name's Mark Webster. This is The Whistleblowers. And uh, as we sit here speaking to you, they're just minutes away from Ma- uh, Man City and Barcelona kicking off. So that's going to have happened, and I'm sure it happened with some style and panache. And I'm sure that possibly the best player in the Premier League and the only world-class player in the Premier League, copyright Alan Shearer, would have played. Or did he? Doesn't really matter in context of what we're doing now because we are a timeless classic here. You could play us from 1963 until 2033 and we'll still be catchy and at weddings. Join- oh, God, what a start. Joining me for this uh, ongoing diatribe is uh, a gentleman who has, hasn't been able to be around for a while because Martin Gritton, as listeners to BBC Devon will know, has been using his punditry skills now as co-coms on various different football games. This is correct. Yep, thanks. Good evening, Mike. Hello, Martin. <laughs> I, 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 you know, simply underlining it like you just gone through your driving test wasn't what I was looking for there. And I'm assuming that's not the sort of response one gets when the commentator throws to you for some insight. No, no, they get, it's, it's, it's riveting, electrifying, <laughs> action-packed uh, Plymouth Argyle, Torquay United uh, responses. So. Had you done that before? Is it the first time out the trap doing it's, sort of co-com stuff? Do you know the funny thing? The... the First experience I had of it was if you were in the squad for an away game at Argyle or Torquay and you weren't on the bench, the manager would go, get up there and do that. <laughs> so we would have to go and do it. And I had this weird moment when I first did it for Plymouth that um, a couple of my teammates that were injured back home went, why did you keep saying, oh, and, and Plymouth are doing really well here, Plymouth? Are... They were like, stop talking about it in the third person. You're, you're allowed to you say Plymouth. you're Plymouth. <laughs> That's right. And I went, oh, we. God. Oh. And I'm sat there in my Plymouth tracksuit going, I've got a squad number. I'm in the team. But I thought I had to pretend to be a presenter at that time. So luckily it's come on a little bit since then. But I, I wish I was still talking like I was a, a teammate. BBC, Devon, if you need it. No, yeah, yeah, that would be better. Amazing. No, it's just like this really partisan third party <laughs> abstract sort of Oh, who's this young person that's chatting about the game? He really knows it, but he's not. He's been parachuting from somewhere. (laughs) Doesn't sound like a local boy either, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, First time, I think, this season. Dan Trelford joins us. Um, And it's in the most perverse circumstances, because why, oh, why would I inflict upon you your arrival here back in the, uh, you know, on the whistleblowers after you lost a bleeding Brentford at home. Yeah, thanks for that. QBR, mm, Dan, of course. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did, that wasn't how it was meant to be. I'm sure it wasn't, yeah. And yet, here we are. Mm. Um, in, in a sort of like, in the kind of old 30 years of hurt list of, of things, where does that rank? Oh, that's not... You know, it was rubbish, but I don't, no one, no one really, else really care really. that much about Brentford. They care a lot about us, but... I suppose like, it is a sort of one-way street rivalry. It's a bit like us and Chelsea, but yeah. the other way. Yeah. So I was more concerned about how awful we were than the fact it was Brentford. I thought they, they played really well. They could good football. Good luck to them. Oh. It's <laughs> a bit like... Know. Do, you know, do you know when they... It, it's, the, it's like the sideways V, the, mm. it, the greater of sign that they use in maths, yeah. isn't it? Which I never really came to terms with. 
It's like, that's the kind of yes. condescension that only the, <laughs> the underdog team can. Yeah. It pains them to get it. My brother lived in Coventry because he was a, he went to Warwick Uni and he became a Coventry fan. And it was a kind of ire that they gave to Villa, and Villa just saw them as a kind of something they'd stepped on rather than a yeah. true equal. Yeah. And um, yeah, that sounded that smacked of that. Dan. Exactly, it's exactly that. And I, I mean, it's you know, it goes back when we when we first played Chelsea, where we got promoted around 2012, and Chelsea. It had been a generation probably since we'd played them, and they came to play at Loftus Road and had absolutely no clue what was coming. And one, no. ma- one matter went to take a corner, he got about 10 yards in, <laughs> in front of the corner flag, which is where we know it's a quite a tight it's space at Loftus tight, Road, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then he just thought, I, I tell you what, I'll just leave this to someone else. And he genuinely <laughs> did he jog away, yeah, yeah genuinely jogged away, yeah. Wow. Oh, fantastic. And we also won 1-0, so that was yeah. good. Hey, listen, yeah. I, 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 want to put, I want to talk about the championship in the moment, but I, I'm, I'm somewhat intrigued by the situation that occurred over the weekend. Not least of which is Sergio Aguero coming back with two absolute, you know, stunning goals. It, it started with um, a Pep Guardiola quote that I read, Martin, which he said, um, he said, in his discussion about principles of the way they're playing football, he said, no doubts about the principles, but to know players, how they play with one another in systems makes you doubt them. Now, this is in the light of him having not played, tactically not played Sergio Aguero in, in you know, a, abroad. Um, and yet, obviously, he comes back and, he, and he's stunning. And then described by Alan Shearer on Match of the Day as the only world-class player in the Premier League. So the whole conundrum around this, where do you stand? First of all, are we talking about a world-class footballer who it was ridiculous to have dropped, even if we are trying to sort of now doubt Pep Guardiola? I think Shearer's, I think Shearer's wrong, obviously. with the, He's not the only world-class player. Okay. I think because if you compare other teams, the, the world-class teams are very different things. The Barcelona, the difference of them as a side to Man City, perhaps. But as Aguero, as a player... It, whether he fits in the system or not, the the thing he puts in the opponent's heads, he constantly stretches the play. They're constantly expecting him to take every chance. They're worried about what they're going to do. I think maybe Pep. I'm not going to tell him how to coach. But I'm going to say this is the slight. This is the this is the nuance. This is the caveat in this conversation for the next few minutes. It's like Andy Carroll. Pep Guardiola has made his mind up. Yeah. <laughs> I, come, I, I sometimes think that strikers. Uh, you think about the pressure that they put people under and the quality that they have. If you if you give away a ball to and you know that there's only one guy up front and he's not an out and out striker like De Bruyne was, yeah, then you're not you're not under the same pressure and the same threat. And whenever I mean Celtic, you know, the, you know, in the past they put Barcelona under pressure when they were like, a, you know, shouldn't have even been on the same pitch as them in some respects. So it's yeah. it's um, I think you devalued it in that way. I think you've you've gone you've over. You've put too much tactic into it. You've put too much thought in the coaching side. Whether just a high pressing team with a quality player like him in, um, you know, sure. in hindsight and with hindsight, it's easy to sit here and say. I, that. I, I probably, do you think there may be something in the way Guardiola made this point? Was one of these tactical things that managers will do, which is say out loud in the press the point he wants to make on the training field and in the dressing room. Yeah, possibly, and he. I think the thing, you know, I've read a book about Guardiola and one thing about him is that this is a person that, you know, pr- pretty much lies awake at night thinking for hours and hours and hours of how he's going to beat He was team. a sort of glib decision. That exactly. He, he didn't just go, no, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drop Aguero. You know, whatever, <laughs> what, whatever. Yeah, exactly. See what happens. 
whatever reasons, you know, and everyone straight away, I was listening to it on the radio and, and they were criticising him from the first minute for dropping him. And you're thinking, well, that might be right. And in retrospect, it possibly was. Although I don't think it would have affected a result when you've lost 4-0 and things were going on in the Man City defence that sure. night. But I'm sure he, uh, yeah, he had his reasons. Like he would have thought that that was the right thing to do for whatever reason yeah. that is that that I don't understand because, you know, I haven't... It, it, it will be... I mean, everyone's hearing this now in the context of knowing whether Aguero started or not. And, and I'm ama- I'd be amazed if we're sitting here and he isn't in that starting eleven. Uh, you know, in terms of that. This is the same week that we have... This conversation about world-class players, the same week that Gareth Bowles just signed this six-year, six-year deal. Is the, is the best player that could be in the in the football league or in the Premier League not playing in the in the Premier League for you in terms of Bale? Um I think in terms of his development as a player, I've seen what he's going on to become while while out there has been good for Welsh football. Yeah. It's been good for him as a player. And I think it's a good it's a it's a good advertisement for the other players in the league that, that should perhaps go and do that. You know, for England's for England's benefit, certainly. Um, as Scotland, we just like to have players in the English league, let alone <laughs> European leagues. Big step but up, it mate. makes a, it makes a big difference having having players playing at the at the top level. And when oh. I say the top level, I mean playing in European competitions. Gareth Bale winning Champions Leagues and and scoring goals in the process. And you know, look at the confidence he plays with uh, for Wales. It's you know, it's enviable. For and I suppose I should therefore the. the, the the flip side of that point would therefore be, is he wise not to come back to the Premier League because he is too good? Or or or, Real, or the point is Real Madrid are that much Why? superior? Why would you? Well, I know, that's the kind of... You're playing Real Madrid, playing a great side, you're living in Madrid. Why? I don't really understand. Does this sort of indulge Shearer's point that he doesn't feel that as superstar individuals, we are lacking that thereof apart from Aguero. Compared Even if Spain, he may be wrong about the numbers. For ex- yeah, you know. compared to Spain. And I think Bale's a really interesting case in point because I remember when Giggs was Wales's best player, uh, Giggs tended to not play every game, did he, for Wales? And perhaps wasn't the most committed Welshman that there ever was. And he was, you know, Ferguson, I think, protected him from that. Well, But Giggs never took Wales to another level, at, really, when he played for them. But Bale has dragged them along with one or two, obviously, with a, with a good team and everything. But he's really inspired them to be a, uh, a greater... A great team that's you know made seven finals of it. Well, I think we're going to do lads. Uh, we're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you who you think the world class players are in the Premier League. Right, just before the break, we were discussing this point that Alan Shearer's made about world class players. Who who is who could walk? I suppose that's what we're looking at. Who because they're international players all over the place, but who could walk into one of the great European teams that's playing in the Premier League for you lot? De Bruyne, definitely. Yeah. 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 I think it's brilliant. I think yeah. you've got Lloris uh, De Gea are two of the best goalkeepers I've seen. Good uh, point. Really enjoy Hazard, now, Hazard that he's, yeah. now that he seems to have shaken off the shackles of uh, yeah. last year's manager. And Willian, Willian's, I would say, is better than, uh, you know, last season Willian should... Uh, a capacity for the way he defends as a pressing attacking player um he's fantastic in in a season that was very difficult for Chelsea yeah. he was shone he was he was incredible and I guess Sanchez and Ozil I mean that's not Sanchez, even Sanchez yeah yeah, Def, yeah Ozil definitely okay and so there's a couple there didn't there yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry also, Al <laughs> well and you know all right, we can sit here and say he's had a terrible season, but Pogba should be in that 
bracket. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. And, and, and it, probably will be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And actually, it's not a sexy player to say, but Kante, you'd probably go. Yeah. Would Kante, fit into absolutely. Barcelona or Real Madrid, I'm and sure. You've got, you've got a few Liverpool players on the cusp. I mean, I think Klein is a Ashley Cole caliber fullback. I think he's yeah. phenomenal. I think. Um, you know, you've got Coutinho who's on the verge of, you know, perhaps a consistency that Liverpool needed from a, a star player to kind of drag them through because they have other players that respond to that. We talk about Bale having an impact on Wales. Well, all like Liverpool need are one or two guys to kind of lead them the way that Henri led Arsenal. Or you, you one guy, yeah, that, one guy that, that dictates, or like and a Van Persie. Just on that point, as well, I was a bit surprised to hear from Shearer. You know, normally you hear that kind of statement from journalists or pundits. You know, the, the, people who haven't played the game. So Shearer has been inside football to try to talk about like players who are like genuine superstars. The point about it is and. You know, you tell us from inside the game is it's fellas fitting into clubs and 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 working in formations and systems, isn't it? All goes back to Pep's point that makes them world class, isn't it? Not just by them, just by the sheer dint of them turning up every time. It is, it, it is, but it, it, fitting into systems is one thing, but form is just irresistible as yeah. a player. So if you have a player that is just as she was himself, you know, you just when you have a guy that's scoring week in, week out, but just doing it in such an effortless, confident way, it just gives the rest of the team a lift. That I mean, that's Shearer playing in the team with, what, Ferdinand, he had Ginola from one side, and Scott Sellers could cross the ball as well. They were yeah. just, these but which you don't see coming in anymore. I think the David Pleat said, I was listening to a game where he was commentating. It's just a different sort of mentality. It's irrespective of the style. If you have a guy that's banging in goals and other teams are just well, terrified. I'll tell you what the future is, is, is crosses... And and midfielders who can defend, it's the it's the future, <laughs> as in stuff that have been dumped for a few seasons. Now suddenly everyone's missing. Um, so he's speaking from experience, isn't yes, he? Yes, you know it's what many of his teammates would say about himself at, at <laughs> about at your clubs, wasn't it? What just to have grits knocking in? Well, this is it, mate. Just irresistible yeah, force. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. know, it's that's it. <laughs> not the holding, not the central holding midfield player that, that perhaps he may have dreamed. I don't. We don't. <laughs> the, tapes, the tapes have been lost, Dan. I'll, I'll, I'll dig a few. <laughs> yeah, we'll fill us in later. <laughs> and speaking of your world class, let's go down to the championship because Rafa Benitez obviously took a reputation down a division that people will argue was. Uh, emotional, perhaps at best, rash at worst, um, c- perhaps cynical because the wages were wonderful. I don't know. It hardly matters. The point being is that, that, that most people will tell you outside the Premier League that the Championship is about as tough as football gets and that Rafa Benitez with his fancy ways and his, and his well-paid squad of Newcastle players would not be able to hack it. At the moment, that doesn't seem to be the case, Dan. Yeah, they had a... They had a- Terrible stuff in the last. The they first, lost the first, first two, two games. games. Yeah. But after that, I mean, I, th- I think you know, God, they signed so many players. They've got so many really good players. I mean, obviously, my experience of them is seeing us completely take QPR you apart. Nil, <laughs> Newcastle. Uh, just, yeah. to, just to say, give them a bit of context. They lost the first two. Then they, in, in their run, they lost to Wolves at one point, but they beat Reading, Brighton, and Derby. In other words, they beat teams. They, they've nicked three points straight off the teams that should be challenging them. They, they beat QPR nil six. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. The goal at the top of the table, goal difference plus twenty. Brighton plus 14, third place, Huddersfield minus two. Yeah. Yeah. This is where, the, the, I mean, and, and with all due respect to Chris Outen and, and, and Brighton as well in this, in this context. But the point was is that you're not meant to be able to do what Rafa Benitez knows. 
to do well in the championship. So why is it working? No, it's, it's true because I mean, if you look, if you look at sort of some managers at Redknapp come down with QPR and we, you know, we did go up in the playoffs, but it was a struggle. And the same with um, Steve Bruce last season yeah. with Harley had a lot. You know, it spent a lot of money on that squad. And again, it's the same thing. He struggled and went up in the playoffs. It isn't easy. But Newcastle, this happened the last time they came down, and Chris, well, Chris Hutton, who was yes, actually manager, and they ran away with it then because they, because they are, they are, well, they've got a lot of fans. Um, yeah, they do. All right. They've got a lot of money because of those fans. They are able to keep hold of players and to spend money, keep within the well, FFP. They, rules. they lost to Soko and Kabai. I mean, they lost two yeah. of their jewels, didn't they? Mm. I mean, in that sense. I mean, and uh, but but Martin, the thing about this is. It, I think the charming bit of this is that, that it was, it, even if it was just an exercise, is the idea of seeing someone like Benitez with no, I mean, God knows, how many years ago did he manage Spanish second division or whatever it would have been? Mm. He, he'd have brought nothing other than his own, I guess, confidence in his own abilities to deal with what was in front of him. Yeah, you, you hear, you speak to Liverpool fans and they don't have any surprise at this because obviously they, they adore him. Yeah. Um, and it's I think the, the confidence in the way that Newcastle fans have confidence in his ability to run a club, which I think we talk about managers that sign marquee players off the back of having big budgets. That's one thing. But actually being able to run the club from top to bottom, yeah. and I would imagine Newcastle give him that. I think what Dan says as well, they did it before. And when you have this confidence, you know you've done it before and you know you can do it again. I think going down wasn't as much of a fear to them as it has been to what Blackburn Road. <laughs> so, sure. Uh, there are other clubs that have gone down and just been suffocated by it. F- Fulham, you know, it's just overtaken them. I think Newcastle have the infrastructure to bounce back, but also the the mentality because they've done it before. But Bites. but man, but sorry, just, but but the managers, you know, the club clubs and teams will reflect the manager mm. more often than not. I think, and if he'd have come in and gone, so disregard me, soldiers. Yeah, no, I don't know what's going on here. It doesn't matter how good your players are. If they suddenly are a bunch of footballers with no direction and no confidence... Yeah, very much so. They could go the other way, couldn't they? But, but there's some, clearly he hasn't had that issue. And you get him at the right time. You get him at a time where he has to prove himself again. So ah, it, good point. You know, and that's for, for players of sports. So the for, challenge for, for the us, manager as yeah, much as anything else then, yeah? For any of us raising our game, whatever we do, you know, if it's, football, if it's sport or whatever, I think, you know, the challenge to put, people's, put people right on that. Also, and I think Benitez had been at a couple of clubs, you know, Madrid, it didn't go well and the fans didn't really want him there. Chelsea didn't yeah, he, want him there. He got Whereas bat, Newcastle, yeah. they, they loved him. They were desperate for him to be there. And I genuinely think that was part of the reason it's why he's point. Yeah. You know, when, oh, it's nice to be wanted, actually, for Isn't once. It because, of course, there's two clubs in which he's doing a perfectly reasonable job, yeah. but no one liked the way he looked in the job. It was as it was as banal as that, wasn't it? He just did, His face didn't fit, yeah. did it, in, in, in two massive jobs. Um I've got to ask about. Well, I was driving down the M4 on Saturday into town, and uh, had two of the boys in the car uh, off to a hem wetting. It was uh, uh, sorry, baby, you know, hem wetting thing. And uh, and uh, number two son said, "Aye, aye, Jimmy's got the boys in. The floodlights were on at the training ground, which is just out by Heathrow, uh-huh. isn't it? And you can see it from the M4 there. Oh, really." Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, whether they were there or whether it's perhaps a fun day for the kids, we don't mm. really know. You couldn't see from the motorway. But where are we with QPR at the moment? I mean, what's the story? It's, um, well, the thing is, we haven't, you know, we've had to change, we've had to cut our cloth properly. We have to spend money better. We can't deal out ridiculous wages. So the club's in a big period of transition. But a lot of fans are, are, are not willing to be patient with that. 
Okay, so you, this is meant to be reality check time, yeah. and no one's ready for that. And yet. in the summer, everyone was ready for that, but as as <laughs> as, as the facts, it's the been entire pre- six weeks later. Yeah, exactly. It's been pretty boring, and Jimmy's not the most attacking coach in the world. And we've been battered by Newcastle, and we lost to Brentford. That's we've lost a bit of that um, that that willingness to have <laughs> have a, a season or two of of tough mid table for the long term benefit. That's sort of gone away, and I think he's in trouble. I genuinely do. I think there's. I think. I think. I think he should stay, certainly till the end of the season, unless things get really bad. But it, they're really turning against him now. They, I'd they, say I'd say 80%. The axe gets now. wielded like Warcraft in the Championship as well, we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's 11 the, months is the average, heads, I think. Exactly, so, yeah. And he's 11 months in. So. Can, can you <laughs> see why Jimmy Floyd, I mean, you know, he, he had it night. Burton was, it yeah. looked like, the, what a great way to kind of do your learning. But do you think there should have been more learning? Um, and, and then, then part two of the question, and can you understand why he would have gone to QBR? Um, I think the, that hindsight in that situation is easy to say that I think he was ready to move on. He was ready for a bigger challenge. And, yeah. and QPR is that, I think QPR over the last maybe five years is, a, is evidence of a club that is very difficult to manage um, unless you have the resources and the fullback in, in a way that almost the older managers, so like Harry and Warnock and guys like that, they just have this leathery old toughness that just seems to, people seem to not mind. And like kind of they'll get behind them because they know they'll deliver. And then there's this kind Mm. of, there's this groundswell of, ah, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. With as soon as there's an element of doubt in a new manager and by the fans, it's like a, you know, it's like a splinter in there that kind of can can fester. And well, that's what I've always found with new managers don't get that. We talk about Raf Benitez. He went to, I think he got, did he not go back to the third division, Spanish second, the third division, and then cut his teeth again after he was like on his way up? He did famously. He got, I think it was a good few years ago. And it but shows he, you that yeah, yeah, regrouped the, the, somewhat. The, the journey is a lot much longer and, and, and much more expected in foreign managers to kind of take a longer to come to fruition. So it's it's tough. It's tough for them, you know. And I'll. Um, I, you know, I feel sorry for him in some ways, but it's yeah. as, as a QPR fan, Dan, Dan would know. Seeing them week in week out, it's a little bit different. Well, you know, Hugh says. Hugh says. He, you know, he pins his failure and he said loads of managers have gone to keep it on failed. You know, it's really hard. And it yeah. Is. It's, it's, you know, because it's a small club with big expectations. If you look around what's available, of course, I mean, someone, which is, which is a great thing, is Steve Bruce, that move. Steve Bruce was nearly the England manager uh, a matter of a couple of months ago only. Uh, but Villa... Again, can you see, you mentioned Neil Warnock like the fellas who know their way around about how to do a job? Yeah. Could you see why that like, that made sense? Yeah, there's, uh, there's also a, a, a very conservative approach after being stung a few times. You know, they just go with let's have a look at the CVs we've got, and this guy's done this. And some of the Martin Allen used to do it in the lower leagues. You know, yeah, just true. Put confidence in managers' minds because our ch- chairman's minds because it was like, well, this is what he's done, so this is what he can do. It's like, well, that's. You know, it's a safe bet, but sometimes it was the well, one that they took. That's what's happening with the Wolves shortlist. You look at it, it's sort Absolutely. of Nigel Pearson yeah. and, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and you sort of look, God, I'm not really sure I'd want any of them. Mm. Suddenly, well, maybe we should just stick well, with what and, we've got. Well, you know? well, Neil Warner arrives, you know, on, on, yeah. on the back of a white charger, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah. and had you been in that situation, Martin, if, in, you know, you've been in a team, you know, you're, all, you're the same players you were six months before, but you're not playing like it. And then a new fella comes in and, you're, and you regroup. Does that work? Yeah, it, unfortunately it does. Oh, and does I, it really? And I didn't like to think... Well, that's it, distressing it, for us fans yeah. to know. No, only because I, I, I say it from a position of that you, 
your your jobs are on the line and you know they are so the guys that have been out the team and been cast out all of a sudden they've got a new lease of life uh training gets lively very Is quickly it? um you know yeah everyone's wearing shin pads on that monday you know the yeah. new gaffer comes in but then you just it creates an atmosphere of like we do a die time you know so that's why caretaker managers often have a nice little spell because that five or six games there's always the one where um, the manager goes and then the next game all of a sudden they pull out a surprise result because yeah. the shackles are off the players there's no pressure on them um and if they do they ever do, do, you know have you ever been in teams where players have kind of would be quite happy to see the manager go oh, so yeah, yes. so they indeed yeah. help yeah exactly or, or, that's what or I mean. usher yeah. him in the general yeah, direction yeah. of gone no yeah. that that happens as well unfortunately but i think that comes from a position of if a player in the team undermines the manager that because they don't want then that's that's a situation where you've lost the dressing room you know if it's a if it's a guy that's been put out as a club captain out to pasture and the resis and he's a bit you know he's he's dishing out some abuse to him on you know and saying this that and the other but that's a different thing you know that that happens as well but um yeah, unfortunately, you just get that uplift. You get uh, it doesn't necessarily make it a good thing for long term for the club, but it can happen short term for sure. But uh, which brings us nicely to uh, a couple of managers who have uh, been up in front of the beak. Um, David Moyes, I should just point out, um, he's got a touchline ban. Obviously, so that's that's terrible for Sunderland players because clearly <laughs> they've been responding to him so well. But um, he's, he he used the he used the Benny Hill defence. Uh, forget the one match ban. He said um, he's apologised for swearing at the fourth official, but he said the problem was he chased me down the touch line. So okay, fair enough. Yeah. If, if then they just carried on running around the pitch and sort of like you know doubling about, and then some scantily clad ladies yeah. in high heels had also joined yeah. in the chase, I can have seen I can see these events. But they don't, we do arrive back, and I think this is why because you know welcome back to the Jose part of the show. Because he's he's unavoidable. He's inextricably linked to everything that's going on, and he's he's he, he appeals on Friday against it. But he's um he had issues with Taylor, and then he has issues with Clattenburg, and, he, and he's he got himself chucked into into the stand, of course, in uh, in you know in the game at the weekend, and was still passing down. I don't think it was the point. I don't think you meant to do that idea. But there's Danny Murphy said the events of recent weeks have got to him. You talk about recent a team, ref- oh, well, well, a recent season and a half yeah. or two years. You, you talk about players responding to the or, or, or being perhaps a reflection of their manager. Is this sti- are, we, are we looking at a, a, a Jose Mourinho in terrible decline? I think so. Really, I think he's in real trouble. And I think he. The problem is that Jose Mourinho has built up this thing that, that is a is a massive thing now amongst fans and pundits of the cult of the coach, of the coach can literally yeah. control everything that happens all the time on the pitch at all times. And so if anything goes wrong, it's always their fault. Whereas he has helped that, and it was fine when you're doing well and you're winning stuff because you can take all the credit for it. But once it starts going wrong, you suddenly look like it's all your fault. So he's constantly blaming referees or throwing his own players under the bus, which he never used to do. When he was first, first time at Chelsea, he never, ever threw any player under the bus. Yeah. It was, they were all for him, and he does it all the time now. Well, this, this goes back to your point, Martin, about players being able to influence decisions, because we know full well now, it's, it's writ large, is that footballers who were no good last season, who were great footballers the season before, are great footballers again, but they weren't during that run. There was there was a deliberate, which is amazing, really. I mean, again, as a fan, you kind of aghast, but as you said, it can be done. There was there were senior players at Chelsea who decided they could do for Jose, weren't there? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was not. It was a pretty toxic environment, and you can see if someone coming in and taking your position. Also, just the way there was such a Perrick sort of victory when they won the league because it just destroyed them as a team. Yeah. It's like yeah. all of them are done. You know, sixty games, seventy games. You know, they're coming off the back of a national tournament that summer. It's like you know, psychologically they were they were they were really struggling. Yeah. Um, interesting. You know, you look at players like Mata now. Mata coming to the four is a key player for Man That's United now. That was you know, there's all these certain little things going in the background for Jose that you know you wonder whether you know if he's if he's finding issues with having to pick who to trust in the dressing room but also if, for other midfielders that are getting put their nose out of joint because Pogba's playing because Pogba won't get dropped he can't drop no. Pogba but his performances have maybe said well have a rest you know we'll bring someone in Carrick or a Schneiderling or you know guys that you know could do cracking jobs in there but that would undermine Pogba if they play them so it's he's not in a great position at the minute further to that are we looking at a, a bunch of Manchester United footballers who are like the Chelsea players saying, he's a wrong and let's find a way of, of making sure he's not around for too long? Or are, my take would be that they are just a bit confused about why it's not working. Manu, Manu seems like a club that's right in the middle of a churn. You know, there's all these players that are getting thrown up from young lads coming through that are just trying to stake a claim that have always been Man United players that don't know what's going on. I mean, they're the ones that have been there longest and they, they don't know what's going on. You look at the new ones coming in for a payday because there is a few of them that have yeah. come in, you know, and there's a few poisonous ones, I would imagine, toxic sort of depe. There's a few guys that just haven't delivered but have the ego not to admit it, you know, and knuckle down in training. That's why, you know, when you've got guys like Ashley Young that will come through and be a kind of moral fibre out of the yeah, squad, he's, he's, then that's a, then, you yeah, know, it's not the, a great he, position. He was the new yardstick of just, just two games, uh, two uh, games. And again, can you understand how footballers get like this? Because I, I guess if you've got, as, as Dan says, you've got, you've got this fella coming in, don't you assume he's going to do the great things for you? Well, you, well that's the thing. If you're going to if you're going to rely and put everything on him, then that's that's the first problem. You know, that's as Dan was saying as when he was first coming through, he would always take the credit for bringing the best out in players and young players and even systems that would win one 0 matches, and we'd applaud him for it. And now he's kind of coming unstuck because he doesn't know quite how to build it. With you know, he's got like a he's got a room full of Lego that that he didn't yeah. buy. You know, he's well, just inherited. A, there's a theory as well that this is a guy that's that he has got a team full of players that might be earning 100 200,000 pounds a week or maybe more and but he's the star he's just he was the star at Chelsea well, we, uh, and uh, so uh, how does yeah. that feel to them how does that does yeah. that damage their ego and they go hang on a minute what are you, you know, especially in a season full of star managers in yeah. which the in which the you know in which the the big the Barbara Streisand of them all <laughs> just the first name I could think of <laughs> I'm sure there was a better one I'm staying with is it. Is it another Barbara? <laughs> yeah. Barbara Belgedis. A, a star is worn. Barbara Belgedis? It's the first Barbara I could think of. Barbara Seville, where were you going? <laughs> Banachek. Nice, he loves Banachek. He absolutely adores George Peppard <laughs> as Banachek. Mike Britton's only 27 years old. An old man ahead of his time and he remembers... <laughs> Rowing across the river in Boston <laughs> as the as the as the renegade lawyer that he once was. I can't believe you've gone Banachek again. But it's a good a place to finish as anything because basically we will now say thank you very much, Mr. Whistleblowers, and we will play out to the Banachek theme tune. We won't. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network.